Welcome to the Phoenix Infidelity Podcast, the podcast for betrayed men by betrayed men. Here we shed light on the topic of infidelity from a first-hand experience as well as from a professional counseling perspective. If you would like more information on how to book a one-on-one counseling session, just send us an email to info at phoenixinfidelity.com. In today's conversation, we talk about the term limerence and how the unfaithful partner's experience of a romantic love probably shares similarities with addiction based on Dr. Helen Fisher's studies. We also talk about flirting with other people while in a committed relationship and where to draw the line when we find other people attractive. Ready? We've got work to do. So I'd like to start off this conversation with a term that was coined by Dorothy Tainoff. I didn't know this. It's the term limerence. So I guess you could name this infatuation. It's closely tied into the halo effect. I don't know if you've come across this term in psychology where a person um, is basically swept away by one or two or other traits of a person and feels an extreme amount of positive emotion towards this person based on very little information. So the halo obviously comes from this depiction of an angel that can't do anything wrong. And um, I'm trying to work through this in my mind as to what exactly is a guy to do if your wife has quote unquote fallen in love with somebody else and now is under the spell of let's call it limerence for lack of a better word. Is there anything you could do to unwind the entangled um, infatuation that she's feeling? It's a great question. I remember the times when I was chatting with you around this and I, for the listeners, I just quickly want to just help them understand limerence a little bit better. Limerence is really a romantic infatuation, a romantic desire for another person. And it becomes quite obsessive, sometimes even called like a love addiction, where you're like addicted, you're obsessed with the other person. All you can think about is the other person. You hope that they feel the way you do. You get nervous when they're around you imagine that they are showing you love and spending time with you and in you know loving you back and feeling the same feelings that you have for them so it's really this infatuation state that we've all experienced um it's like when we have a crush on someone and it it can happen for women especially when the man the the affair partner is giving them all the attention and the care and the support that they didn't get from their partner or their spouse, their husband or their, their partner. And suddenly everything about this person, this affair partner, is just amazing. The halo, they can do nothing wrong. They're so nice and they're so friendly and they do this right and that right. It's it's like when you're in love. You know, when you're in love, you don't seem to see the faults of the other person. You only see the good points. You're only aware of how great they make you feel. you completely on cloud nine and you're looking at them through rose tinted glasses it happens all the time it's interesting that you use the word 
addiction. It's like a love addiction. I think that's what you said. Because I've been looking at some studies, and in 2007, there was a study done by Zeki, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, called Intense Passionate Romantic Love, A Natural Addiction, question mark. And also a study done by Helen Fisher. I think she's the leader on these um, a- academic studies related to what happens in the brain when you're in love. In 2016, she did a study, and what they found was... Um, they could draw parallels between the brain mechanisms involved in romantic love and those associated with substance abuse. <laughs> so it's basically like you're dealing with an addict. Now, it's, it's not exactly the same as being addicted to cocaine or other synthetic drug, but I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, like, how do you deal with somebody that's now addicted to a person or the feeling that this other person is giving them. In the book, I draw this analogy of how Ethan's flame of desire could never compare to Ryan's bonfire of lust. Because what Ryan's feeling right now is this love addiction, and he's focusing all of that attention onto Lisa, right? And, I mean, after a 16-year marriage, it's impossible for you to emulate that drive and that amount of passion that has now arisen between the affair partner and the unfaithful spouse so is there anything we could do or do you just wait it out that's such a good question and we've we've talked before about the three different responses that the betrayer or yeah that the betrayer may take but the two main ones are to either continue the affair or, or end the affair. And if the person who's the betrayer has decided that they're going to continue the relationship, the extramarital affair, then you don't really want to you don't want to try and get in the way because if you are competing, you've got this flame of desire, but the other person's got a bonfire, you're, you're not going to win. And you're going to waste your time and you're going to end up feeling even worse because you, you would have lost the fight. And so in that kind of situation, you actually want to get some help to be able to recover by yourself with the help of a professional because you're not going to heal with the help of your betraying spouse. And I would just suggest move away, stay away because you're going to get just get more hurt. Yeah, you're going to get burned by that bonfire. I I totally agree with you, Anfred. In hindsight, I wish that's what I did. Unfortunately, I watched one of these YouTube clips of one of these marital channels and they gave uh, examples of men actually working through the breakup of their wife and the affair partner. So sort of sitting side by side with your wife while she's crying about breaking up with her new boyfriend. And I feel embarrassed by having done that. There's this scene in the book where um, Ethan watches Lisa disappear around the street corner because she's on her way to um, meet up with, with Ryan, her new boyfriend. Why is he doing this? Is it fear of losing? Is it... 
Is it separation anxiety? You know, is it fear of being alone? Is it hope that something magically is going to change? And the reality is, is you're fighting a losing battle. Because that level of drive in the mammalian brain, you know, that dopamine release is so strong. Like we can see in the Fisher experiments and studies, they compare it to um, drug addiction. So I would also encourage guys to try as much as they can to look objectively at the situation and back away and not have your dignity dragged down the street like, like I had. And, you know, try and hold on to self-respect. And like Anfred said, just walk away. That actually raises attraction. That's your best bet, I think. Absolutely. There's, of course, the other side as well, where the betraying partner realizes that they do want to continue the relationship with you and then decide that they're going to end this extramarital relationship this with the affair partner. And in that case, they're going to go through their own pain and they're going to need some support from you, although you don't need to necessarily then be this major support person. But invariably, you want to then support, especially if she's saying, yes, I'm ending it. I don't want to be with him anymore. I want to be back with you. I want our relationship to work. That's great. That's first prize. And that'll be wonderful. However, I think let's just go back to the situation that you mentioned with Ethan and Lisa, where Ethan is watching Lisa walk away to meet the affair partner we have to have complete compassion and understanding for ethan because he's he's going through pain and his heart is being ripped out from his soul and we we know that he would be really struggling he wants to hold on to her and he can't. And so he's watching where is she going, what's she doing. He's hoping she's going to make moves which are going to be indicating that she's changing her mind because he's desperately hoping that she will because he loves her and his heart is absolutely crushed. So we have to have just compassion and understanding for him. And we don't want to judge him and we certainly don't want to judge you and you certainly don't want to judge yourself for having perhaps you know, been that word that so often gets used by uh, the betrayed pathetic Maybe you were pathetic, but don't judge yourself for being pathetic. It's understandable. I'll try and put a link to a video that I watched a while back on how Jordan Peterson magnificently explains what happens when trust is broken in the context of infidelity. And, you know, it, it just rips the foundations out from under you and you question everything. Um, so, but... We'll get into that in a later conversation, I think. So let's talk a little bit more about limerence. You see your wife flirting a little bit with somebody else. Or you're picking up that she's being a little bit too friendly with a colleague or a friend. More often than not. And you decide to confront her. Okay. How does one go about this? And where do you think one should draw the line with flirting? I think that's such a good question. Why don't we go back one step and just talk about what is flirting? Flirting is is really showing someone else that you're sexually attracted to them 
in such a way that they shouldn't really take it seriously. And so in society, we, we kind of are almost saying, oh, but I'm, I'm just flirting, you know. He knows I'm not being serious or she knows I'm, I'm not really being serious. However, your partner doesn't think that that's okay in most cases. In most cases, no partner wants um, their spouse or, or, or a partner to be telling someone else, I'm sexually attracted to you, but don't take it seriously. We're not going to take it any further. If you're sexually attracted to someone else, keep it yourself. Um, tell your friends that, hey, guys, pray for me. I'm really struggling with this. Tell your spouse, tell your partner, hey, I'm finding myself a little bit attracted to this person. I don't think we should, I don't think we should spend time with them anymore because I don't want this attraction to, to grow. The truth is you're always going to be sexually attracted to other people because that's just the way that it is. Some people more than others. Yeah, there'll be men and women who will say, I'm not sexually attracted to anyone except my spouse or partner. Hey, fantastic. That's great for you. But it's not like that for most people. Most people suddenly experience a connection with another person of the opposite sex or even the same sex and will go, oh, wow, there's, there's really something there. Hey, that's normal. But now, you know, make it known. Don't keep it a secret. Share it with your partner. Share it with your spouse and make a decision how you're not going to let that grow so that it doesn't become flirtatious in the future. Because flirting is not okay for most people and it certainly wouldn't be okay for me or my wife. It wouldn't be okay for me if, I, if she flirted with someone and it wouldn't be okay for her if I flirted with someone. My personal strategy on this topic is when I feel um, attraction towards another girl whilst I'm in a long-term relationship, I back away and I wait for that aha moment where you realize, yeah, she's not all that you thought she was. I got that advice from a colleague about two decades ago on this very topic. And that's, that's what I've utilized up until date. And it, it works every time because, you know, that halo effect starts kicking in and the, f the spark of limerence makes you think that this person is a perfect 10 or a unicorn and it just never is the case so if we could encourage guys and girls you know men and women to maybe just wait before they act upon these primitive desires because the veil of delusion gets ripped off quite quickly in most cases if you just if you just wait it out a little bit. Do you agree with that type of strategy? Absolutely, I do. And I know the concept of actually admitting these things to your partner or your spouse may be quite strange. And, and But what we really want is to be fully known and loved, warts and all. That's the deepest desire of our hearts. Because if you keep judging, criticizing every time you see a wart, then you're never going to discover what's really going on in the person. You're never really going to know them fully because they're continually going to be afraid of judgment or criticism or rejection. But when you can develop this caring, understanding, compassion and acceptance, even when your partner or spouse is telling you, hey, you know what, I'm quite a, this person's quite attractive. I'm, I find myself being a bit attracted to her. 
and you go, oh, really? Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, why, why is that? And you say, oh, it's her lovely eyes and it's that personality. I love that personality. You can talk about it, you know, as friends, um, you know, as you're sitting in bed together before you go to sleep. And then one of you is going to say, yeah, okay, well, thanks for sharing. And maybe we, do you think we need to maybe not see this girl again or this guy again? Should we maybe steer clear of them? And you might say, yeah, maybe. And, you know, I must just wait until this halo effect wears off and then we can, you know, we'll, we'll keep in touch. We'll keep talking about it. But what's happening there is that there's this deep emotional connection between two people where there's this complete honesty around how others are affecting them, positive or negative, And there's this understanding and acceptance of each other, despite what may be a potential threat. But because they know and love each other and accept each other, they can have this conversation without it becoming an argument, a fight or something to cause insecurity in in the one partner. I'd actually love to hear from our subscribers and our followers about what they think about this strategy. If they've tried it before, if it worked for them. If they think they could be that open with regards to, you know, a little bit of attraction they feel towards somebody, let's, um, yeah, let's see what the people say about this, about this strategy. Um, in the book, I talk about this moment where Ryan makes his first move physically. And it's in plain sight and it's at a little festival and he puts his hand on Lisa's hip. Um, that. It's not what hurts Ethan, though. What hurts Ethan is the fact that Lisa accepts the um, the flirtation and the physical contact. That's clearly that there's a, there's an agenda behind that physical contact. And um, like Ethan has a conversation with Lisa about it the next day, and he says that to him it seems like they've entered onto the continuum of infidelity. So. It was a great conversation between the two of them and they they managed to walk away smiling and laughing and with uh, an agreement intact. But I'm trying to help guys formulate a strategy as soon as they pick up that there is flirting going on. Um, How do you address it? How do you confront that in your spouse? Is it... What am I doing wrong or do you address what she's doing wrong? Firstly, I think we always have to have this openness that we are asking questions that we want to know and that we want to discover what's going on in our spouse. So you would say, hey, I noticed um, Ryan was being a little bit flirtatious. I saw him put his hand on your hip and I saw your look in your eye. Tell me what's what's going on there. Um, what what were you feeling? What were you thinking? That approach is a very acceptance accepting approach. It's not a condemning approach, as opposed to, hey, I saw Ryan put your hand on your on your hip, and and that look you gave him, gee, what kind of look was that? How can you do that? Which is a judgmental kind of approach. And obviously, as soon as someone feels judged, they're not going to want to say, oh, come, let me love you more. It's so nice being judged. No, the opposite. In fact, you're going to want to go back to Ryan because Ryan's being flirtatious and kind and and friendly. And so your approach always has to be an 
discovery or a, an exploratory exp- approach. I want to explore. I want to know your heart. I want to know what did you feel when you touched your leg? I saw that look on your face. What what was that? You know what what was going on in there? Um, and and then to say and once you know what was going on in your heart to say okay I see that. Um, is our relationship not going well? Do we need to address something? Or next time Ryan touches you in a flirtatious way, are you going to be able to put your hand up and say, hey, hold on, that's going beyond a boundary? So that she can then know that you're still accepting and loving her and you're wanting to find a solution. Perhaps your relationship isn't at a great place. Perhaps you do need to talk about ways to improve your relationship and to grow together because you've drifted apart. And then you can do that in a safe environment and you can find solutions as opposed to driving her away and just creating a worse situation than you had before. Yeah, I think that's excellent. That's something that Ethan takes credit for. He, I think, um, approached the situation quite well and mature without judgment because, you know, I'm not blind to the fact that we go through life and we find ourselves in situations where people are attracted to us and we are attracted to people. Um, that's not a mystery to me. What I'm trying to figure out is when when exactly does the injection of infatuation take over? I think that's a good question. And that's why you actually want to address it as soon as it happens. As soon as you notice your fl- a spouse or partner is flirting with somebody, you want to talk about it and have that exploratory conversation with them so that it can't grow because it's hidden and not addressed. Good question. Immediate response. I like that. So something to take into account is the Romeo and Juliet effect. This is also something that I've come across in psychology literature. This is where you sort of forbid the person to engage with the affair partner. And inadvertently, you push them further into the arms of the affair partner. Okay, so deemed the Romeo and Juliet effect because of, you know, the the, the taboo or the forbidden love that that drove them to be with one another. And um, I would encourage guys to steer away from this um, because you, you truly can't do anything about the fact that your spouse or girlfriend has now been taken over almost possessed by infatuation and the halo effect and you're just going to make it worse if you try and sort of come between the two lovers i think your best card to play is indifference and basically give her the space that she needs to make up her own mind 100 percent. this links so nicely with one of the questions or one of the issues we were talking about in our last session where you talked about the parent-child relationship that you had with with your wife because if you're forbidding your wife or partner to speak to this person ever again you're just being a parent and you're not two adults having a conversation you're not two people with the desire to know and love each other warts and all you're being a boss and directive and telling your partner what she's allowed to do or isn't allowed to do 
And that is exactly what's going to happen. You're going to be pushing her away into the arms of someone who doesn't do that, who isn't being a parent and a boss. So great, great point there. Excellent stuff. I think in the next conversation, we're going to touch on how to deal with the affair partner and how to confront him. Um, because I think there's lots to talk about there. And I'd love to share my story on how I confronted this guy. Anfred, as always, it's great to talk to you. Thanks for all the insight and I'll see you soon. If you would like more information on how to book a one-on-one -on -one counseling session, just send us an email to info at phoenixinfidelity.com.